Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy day before Friday. Happy Thursday. The weekend is almost here. Uh, man, for me, it was a late, late night last night. Uh, I was on Tim Pool's uh, Timcast IRL. Uh, I didn't make it home till like 10 p.m. Oh my God. Uh, that's a very late night uh, for an old man like myself. But I'm here refreshed and have an awesome, fantastic show uh, planned for us today. We're going to lean into uh, a lot of our regular contributors, our fearless soldiers, Royce White, Shamika Michelle, TJ Moe, Dave Shannon, will all be here to help me unpack uh, a fire starter about Elon Musk and his bid to take over Twitter. Uh, I've got an interesting spin on that. We will touch on, in this Firestarter, we will touch on all the major topics, I think, going on in culture and sports. In, I don't, you know, we're going to touch on Frank James. We're going to touch on, I think it's Patrick Lyoya, the, the young man that was tragically shot in Grand Rapids and will be the next face of Black Lives Matter. Uh, we'll touch on Tony Dungeon. We're going to touch on a lot. Uh, and we're going to unpack it, but it's all going to fit under the Elon Musk Twitter umbrella. Uh, and then we're going to have Uncle Jimmy. I'm looking forward to him uh, coming on at the end. We'll do an approval rating on Elon Musk. And we will unpack with uh, Uncle Jimmy, who spent 17 years in law enforcement, the Patrick Lyola uh, Grand Rapids situation. Uh, Jimmy, again, 17 years in law enforcement, will get his professional opinion, uh, the, the videos out of the uh, tragic shooting. Obviously, you know, you know what side Twitter is taking. Uh, we'll have a bit of a different take, I would imagine. But uh, anyway, let me start this fire without further ado. Royce is waiting for me to get to him, and I can't wait to get to Royce. Uh, Ten days ago, <clears throat> when we learned that Elon Musk bought a 9% stake in Twitter, I argued that the richest man in the world could not save and or transform the toxic platform. Perhaps I was wrong. Early Monday morning, Musk posted on Twitter his SEC filing to purchase the social media apps remaining 91%. He wants to take the company private. His intent is to save Twitter by making it a free speech platform again. I'm still unsure if Twitter can be saved, and I'm really not all that comfortable with one man having so much influence over public discourse. But the news of Musk's $43 billion takeover bid has me feeling a bit optimistic. Musk can't make, Musk can't make Twitter worse, can he? The platform's hostility to truth amplification of secular values and promotion of identity politics have undermined the principles that inspired American freedom and liberty. Twitter, not Donald Trump, the Proud Boys, or even Tucker Carlson's brilliant monologues, Twitter is the existential threat eroding our democracy by pushing us toward violent racial conflict. Black Twitter, the informal community of users who allegedly represent the identity of black people is the bane of American society. Black Twitter 
is the online version of the Ku Klux Klan, the enforcement arm of the racist Democratic Party political strategy that silences truth, dissent, and biblical values with Twitter lynch mobs. There's no difference between the old white KKK and the new black KKK. Both groups worked on behalf of the Democratic Party. They terrorized black and white people who did not support the agenda of the Democratic Party. Black Twitter is the Luke Brazzi of BLM, LGBTQIA+, alphabet mafia. For those of you who have never seen The Godfather, Brasi was a notorious hitman for Don Corleone and the Corleone crime family. When a rival crime family tried to unseat the Corleone family, taking out Luca Brasi was seen as essential. You can't improve Twitter and amplify truth on the platform until black Twitter sleeps with the fishes. If Musk is serious about limiting Twitter's ability to harm free speech and freedom, he must discover a way to dismantle black Twitter. Fear of black Twitter is at the root of corporate media lies and false narratives. The worst nightmare of everyone in corporate media is provoking a black Twitter mob to storm their mentions, burn a cross, and demand their firing. Media employees know their bosses will acquiesce to the demand rather than risk the same mob turning on them. So a media employee with Christian values cannot publicly state that all lives matter. According to Black Twitter, that statement is racist. Grant Napier, a longtime broadcaster for the Sacramento Kings, was forced to resign in 2020 after tweeting, all lives matter. According to the Bible, Napier's statement was Christian, not racist. But Black Twitter's negative influence extends far beyond sloganeering. Let's just evaluate things that have transpired in the past week. Let's start here with my friend uh, and someone that I admire, NFL coaching legend Tony Dungy, a devout Christian. He had to explain why he supported Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's $70 million initiative aimed at supporting fathers. Dungy was pictured with DeSantis at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers facility. DeSantis is a Republican. Black Twitter believes black men should not work with and or associate with Republicans. Dungy has spent his life advocating for fathers. Dungy and DeSantis have shared values as it relates to the importance of fathers and nuclear families. Black Twitter believes black people should ignore their biblical values or prioritize them below political power. Tuesday, San Francisco Giants first base coach Antone Richardson, who is black, claimed that a white coach on the opposing team referred to him as a mother effer and that it reeked of racism. Watch this clip. At that point in time, uh Shitty started to walk back to uh, third base, and at that point in time, he he uh, yelled, uh, "You need to control that." Um, and at that point in time, I went up to the front top step and I said, "Excuse me, 
because um, I didn't think that that was um, I, I couldn't believe what I heard um, and at that, in that point in time Gibson uh, the, the crew chief decided to toss me from the game um, and I say this because I think that this um, his, his words were disproportionately unwarranted um, and reeked undertones of racism um, when he referred to me as that as if um, I um, to be controlled or um, a piece of property or, or enslaved. Um, and I think it's just really important that we understand what happened tonight. And the second part that's equally disappointed is that me being tossed empowers by the empire, empowered this coach to continue to have conversations like that with people like me. And that's really unfortunate that that's what happened tonight. Profanity and name-calling, whether right or wrong, commonplace in sports. I, I, I gotta be transparent here. People that know me, my friends, uh, MFR for a long time was probably my favorite word in the dictionary, and I don't even know if it's in the dictionary. It was the favorite word in my vocabulary. I used it as a term of endearment. I used it every way possible. I, I it, it, that word has never had a racial connotation. It, it's commonplace in locker rooms. It goes all directions among all people. This dude is flat out lying. This, flat out lying, and he's doing it because Twitter has conditioned black people to see all engagement with white people as an outgrowth of slavery and racism. This dude is lying and is a coward and is, let me, let me, cause I, I, I hate, I'm now I'm resorting to the name calling that his act here is cowardly. Putting this, I think the guy's name is Mike Schilt with the San Diego Padres. Putting him in the racial crosshairs for saying MF on a baseball diamond. This is unfair. This is ridiculous. It's racist what Richardson is doing. He's been radicalized. It's commonplace. This whole social media thing is radicalizing people. The same, I'll bet more extreme, radicalization process is at the heart of the violent and terroristic behavior of Frank James, the suspected New York subway shooter. James is a different version of Daryl Brooks, the Waukesha mass murderer. Twitter and other social media apps promote the notion that America hasn't changed from the 1850s and idiots like James and Brooks have been convinced they're Nat Turner violently emancipating black people from oppression. Black Twitter rewards people for analogizing 2020 America to 1619 America. That's why Brian Flores and Colin Kaepernick believe the NFL operates like a slave plantation. That's why they say it. I don't think they actually believe it, but it's why they say it. 
Black Twitter rewards this kind of idiocy. It also argues that black men have every right to violently resist arrest and put themselves in position for a police officer to overreact and make a deadly mistake. Black Twitter will demand that we shout the name Patrick Lyoya rather than learn something from his encounter with police. Lyoya is the Congolese immigrant shot and killed by a Grand Rapids, Michigan cop after a struggle. Lyoya wrestled with the cop, tried to take the officer's taser from him, wouldn't let go of the taser. He was pinned to the ground still wrestling with the cops, still resisting, still grabbing the guy's taser when the cops shot him. You can make the argument the police officer overreacted, but you can make a much stronger argument that it's foolish to wrestle with a cop and reach for his weapon. Black Twitter won't, us, won't allow us to make that argument. Neither will it allow us to have an honest discussion about the actions that led to NFL quarterback Dwayne Haskins' tragic death. When black men die, black Twitter demand, demands that we worship them and never critically evaluate their actions. Black Twitter believes only the actions of white men matter. Everyone else is nothing more than a potential victim of the actions of white men. That worldview is inconsistent with a biblical worldview. That worldview emasculates every man who isn't white. That's why I call Black Twitter the Black KKK. Both groups are dedicated to emasculating black men at the behest of the Democratic Party. Here's hoping Elon Musk, a white African, can save America from the KKK. Mm. That's my fire. Uh, I'm going to call in uh, our soldiers, our troops, our fearless soldiers. We'll start with Royce White to see if he can help me fan these flames, tell me where I'm wrong, where I might be right, what I may have overlooked. Um, Royce, I'll start with this question. Am I putting too much blame on social media, particularly Twitter, for the inappropriate values and, and mindset worldview that many black people have adopted? Am I overstating social media's role in perhaps corrupting the minds of black people? No, not at all. Um, I don't think so. You know, it, it saddens me. It, it truly saddens me to see how black people behave on Twitter and all and all social media right now. We are trapped in a maze within a maze within a maze and, and only God can pull us out. So I'm going to invoke God again here today to, to give you my take. And this 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 applies to Elon Musk and, and the thought that his, you know, um, taking over of Twitter can change things. There are four heresies of the West, and I've told you this before. Um, you have the scientific method, democracy, computer technology, and artificial intelligence. All four will or have been used to try and either bridge the gap between man and God, 
to turn man into God or to substitute man's faith for God. And none of them will work. None of them will work. All of this is a byproduct of, of heresy and the abnegation of faith. And Elon Musk, while I like him, I, I admire what he's done in his life. And I believe that he is a reasonable person to an extent. He's also uh, a, a secularist. And, and so there's, there's that to consider. Black people historically in America have been the calling card um, for a fight for freedom, the idea of freedom. And there's a complete bait and switch that's happened here with American culture, American mainstream culture and American social media culture. If you believe in freedom, you believe in God. If you believe in freedom in an American context, you believe in God. If you believe that certain human rights are inalienable, you believe in God. Okay, the entire idea of American freedom stems from Christian faith. And the idea is that you have certain inalienable human rights that were granted to you from an authority higher than men in government. So how it is that black people have come to rise to the mountain, uh, the, the top of the mountain and the journey and fight for freedom, but slowly and surely have progressively lost faith in God and, and substituted our faith for technology and gossip and, and, and short term gratification and all these other things. It really puzzles me and it saddens me. It really saddens me. So Royce, I want you to repeat those four areas that I think ended with artificial intelligence. Re repeat those again for me, just because I'm writing notes. And, and again, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, this is why I love having you on. You always say original things that are really smart and I gotta be prepared. So repeat those again. Yeah, the four heresies of the West were sci the scientific method, democracy, computer technology, and the fourth is now starting to be and will be artificial intelligence. And all four have been used to either try and bridge the gap between man and God, turn man into God, or substitute man's faith for God. And none of them will work. They'll all fall short. And, and what, what has happened to society uh, health-wise, culturally, philosophically, is in large part due to these four heresies. And, and, you know, this stems back a long, long time. I mean, circa 1600, 1400, and, 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 and you know, in the, the European, in, in Europe, where the West originated in this idea of the scientific method or democracy. So this stems back, but it's reaching a peak, and Black people are caught in an abyss where, you know, we have lost or, or, or never gained a real sense of identity and an American honor, national honor. And in the absence of that, in the absence of owning land, which would by effect give you some national honor because you, you have a stake in the place where you live, um, we substituted it, like Kanye said, for brands in some cases. But now social media is the new real estate of black people. And we covet it like we would a parcel of land and we're willing to defend it uh, by any means necessary. And if that means to abnegate faith in God, then we'll do that. If that means to, to make the claim that America is nothing but a racist patriarchy, we'll do that. And if, we, if that means going after black people who are uh, thoughtful, who think for themselves and, and want to stray from the Democrat ideology, we'll hang and persecute those people as well. I love when you take a second cut. It, not that the first cut's not great, but my God, you jump over <laughs> with the second cut. The other thing, the, 
among the other things you said that were interesting is you sound skeptical of Elon Musk's motives and or ability to push Twitter a positive direction. Could you elaborate on that? Again, if you don't believe in God, I, I have skepticism about your belief in freedom because freedom in the American context comes from Christian faith. It comes from the idea that there are natural human rights that are given to you by a, by a creator and an authority higher than man or government. And when you don't have that, that, that idea or that framework of heaven, when that collapses, like it has for Elon Musk, and I'm not sure if, if, if he's coming back into faith or what, but, but he's an atheist. And he's very open about that. And so I question any atheist's ability to to instill a, a moral health or a moral correction for something that has become blatantly immoral and, and, and working in effect for evil spiritual forces. Now, I like Elon Musk. I think he's brilliant. I don't think we can take anything away from what he's accomplished. I believe in meritocracy and I think he's a competent, scientific and, and innovative mind. But the reality is he believes in Neuralink he believes in turning. He's openly said that he believes in the future merger between man and robots. And there's nothing more heretical than that, in my view. I think that the artificial intelligence that he has at times claimed to be cautionary of um, that, that he is in on. And so with that said, I do also have to, to say and take into consideration that Elon Musk is dealing with societal industries and forces much greater in scope than the every, the every uh, the everyday average citizen across this world. So it may be that he has a plan that I can't see based on the information that he has. And in many places with his power and his position and his success, he has advocated for things that I would agree with socially. I just don't know if in the final analysis, uh, a secular approach can solve the moral crisis of Twitter or society. You just, I wasn't able to articulate it, but you just crystallized my concern and why. And again, when one man has that much power over public discourse, if he's, and that's why I'm watching everybody cheerlead, he's gonna have 100%. And I'm like, over Twitter, one person who's the richest man in the world, that's almost like we're signing up for a king, a king of public discourse and speech. One man who, as you state, says he doesn't believe in God, we're gonna put that much trust in that person? That, that leads me to believe like, Twitter could actually be made worse. We don't know what that looks like, but it could happen. You know, Elon Musk is, is a brilliant individual and, you know, <laughs> we can go live on Mars, okay? There's nothing wrong with us going to live on Mars. He believes in the scientific method. He believes in democracy. He believes in computer technology. There's nothing wrong with any of that. We can't go to Mars without morality. We can't go to Mars with the moral crisis because you know what happens in space? You lose your sense of direction. You lose your orientation. Okay, and, and people who are already on the brink of psychological turmoil, they're going to snap in space. There's no doubt in my mind and they'll snap on Mars. We have to solve these moral issues in our society before we let our ambition and innovation take us to new frontiers. And this is part of where America did go wrong in its, in its inception. You know, Manifest Destiny is sort of the linchpin of grievance politics. And there is a real claim there. 
that at that time, people who said they believed in Christ took the Lord's name in vain and used it as justification to go ahead and kill and oppress other people. That was a failure of man. It wasn't a failure of God. So men who don't have God at all, I have serious questions about. Royce, I know you can top it, but I'm not going to ask you to uh, because I want to leave room for everybody else. Uh, <laughs> you put a lot of pressure on everybody else. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, great job. Uh, let me tell you guys about First Leaf. When you're on the hunt for new wine, you have two options. You can wander around your local grocery store picking bottles at random, or you can go to try firstleaf.com and get personalized wines delivered right to your door for a fraction of the cost. If you love the excitement of discovering new wines, but hate the risk of disappointment, First Leaf Wine Club is a no-brainer. First Leaf curates and strips and ships wines that are personalized to your taste. With, your, with their online rating system, not only are you being introduced to new wines, but each new First Leaf shipment is better than the last. First Leaf is so confident you'll love their wine that they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you receive a bottle that isn't exactly what you were hoping for, First Leaf will credit your account. If you love finding and tasting new wine, First Leaf is a no-brainer. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to try, T-R-Y, First Leaf, that leaf is L-E-A-F dot com slash fearless. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash fearless. All right, stick around. Shamika Michelle, X. All right, welcome back. Time to uh, bring in some Shamoke, the Shamoke show, uh, Shamika Michelle, and we'll get her take on Elon Musk possibly taking over Twitter. Uh, we just heard from Royce White. Uh, Shamika, I, I make the argument today that, you know, if, if Elon Musk wants to do something good for Twitter, he's got to figure out a way to dismantle uh, black Twitter. I think it's the bane of American society. It's it's the fentanyl. It's the crack cocaine of of black people. Of it's the black KKK. It's I, I've just taken a dump on black Twitter. Am I off base? I don't think you're off base, but I think it's going to be deeper than uh, Elon Musk simply because what I see in black people generally makes me think about survivor's guilt. And that's the mental condition when someone feels guilty for surviving like a traumatic experience that someone else could not. That's what I see a lot of in black people, whether it's because you made it out of the hood or you made it out of a you know, traumatic experience. They always, instead of saying, this is how I overcame, they constantly tell some, somebody else how they can't. It's like they want to fit in and act as if everything is the same as if this is 1822 instead of 2022. 
And I see that a lot with black people, especially really successful black people, even like Michelle Obama. She was the first lady of the United States and had the nerve to say people can't see her. First of all, you're almost six feet. Nobody's overlooking you. I see this with Oprah, you see it with LeBron James, you see it with so many people that have actually succeeded that act as if they can't actually relax in that success and then tell other people how they can make it. So I think Elon has a lot of work to do and it would start with the mental condition of black people. And my argument is that he, nothing has impacted the mental condition of black people as much as the myth of black Twitter. I believe it's an algorithm controlled by uh, non-black people in Silicon Valley uh, that has been promoted. And, and, and when I say the influence on the mentality of black people, I'm, they've convinced us that our identity is in victimhood. And so what you're talking about, these survivors, think they're not black if they haven't been victimized. Mm -hmm. And so they're constantly on the lookout for being a victim. It's no different than this baseball coach in San Francisco who's in San Francisco. He's bathed in this mentality. And so uh, someone calls him an MFR, and this is my moment to show how black I am. I'm a victim. This white man called me an MFR. This reeked of racism. Oh, do you see what I go through? I'm on the baseball field and someone called me an MFR. And, and I think social media has promoted that mentality of the, the blackest thing you can do or be is a victim. Definitely. I actually think, Jason, that the camera phone was one of the worst inventions for black people. And then social media allowed us to put that foolishness that we record on our camera phone and, you know, broadcast it to the world. And we wonder why we are seen in a certain light. But I think about even myself, how Facebook would take me down for saying things like Father's Day is for men, how I lost my privilege to go live on IG simply because I came against Lil Nas X and that devil video that he put out. They took my ability to go live, yet I see ass shaking videos, I see fight videos, I see women, you know, talking about men in a terrible way. Those type of things is that that's what they like. And so you're you're absolutely right about how we think as black people on social media. And I just think it's been terrible for us because we won't walk away from that victim mentality. It's like we hold on to it with dear life. And I'm so sick of singing, we shall overcome. I think we're still singing that because no one will step up and acknowledge how much we have overcame. And so I, I, again, I agree with you that Twitter and black Twitter is a cancer. So have you had a chance to see the video of the young man that was killed in Grand Rapids? I did. I saw the video and of course, I, I see both sides. Like for me, my question is, 
what was he pulled for in the first place? I'm hearing people say a traffic stop. I still don't know exactly what that was. So I'm trying to figure out how do we go from a traffic stop to wrestling outside? Now, once he gets so I, I do feel like sometimes when it comes to traffic stops and maybe minor things, police often overreact and they have this, you know, um, they just want to be in so much control. They're like control happy. But once he got outside, I, I have to say, I saw the video in slow motion, zoomed in. He actually did appear to have the taser in his hand. And so for me, at that point, it leaves too many possibilities. Like there's the possibility he could have uh, tased the officer and taken his gun. He could have shot the officer with his own gun. Like it was just too many possibilities for me. And at that point, I'm I'm pretty sure I would have reacted the exact same way because it was just too many un unknown answers at that point. Well, my understanding and, and you know, I, I'm 99% sure that he was pulled over because the, the, the tags on the car didn't match the car. He was using mm -hmm. someone else's tags on his car. It, it's, it's a common uh, way for police to pull over people and they're usually pulling over, in their mind, they're like criminals, they commit small little crimes that will uh, let you find out the bigger crimes they were involved in. And so they pull people over with illegal tags and it's like, okay, this is someone that's comfortable doing shady stuff. Let's see what else shady they've done. Pull him over. But the, the problem was, it seemed like before the officer could get to the car, this man had already jumped out of the car. Mm. And th that's just not the way that you handle uh, police situations. And this is my whole problem with social media is like, we can't even have a discussion about, hey, here's how to protect yourself from the police. Do what right. they say. Don't get out of your car, hand them your driver. Cause again, if it's just illegal tags, just, right. that's a ticket, that's nothing. That, that, that's, right. and, I, and I'm just, I'm a speeder used to be a speeder, pulled over many times. I never thought to jump out of the car. Uh, I just think to hand up my license and registration and hope and pray that they let me go with a warning. And, and so, but we can't have that discussion. And I say because social media ha has, has argued basically that uh, you have a right to resist the police. You have a right and, and you're justified in disrespecting the police. And, and I just, that's like a dangerous game. We're telling people like, yeah, go ahead and agitate someone that carries a gun and has a right to use it and will probably be backed by the criminal justice system if he does. Yeah, go ahead and agitate that person. And so it's like social media and in general is committed to giving black people bad advice. And, mm -hmm. and, and I'll, I'll connect it to uh, uh, why Lizzo or somebody would put out a picture of this 350-pound woman with her butt cheeks all out. Again, it's, it's the promotion of anything that will harm, but you know what, go ahead and be obese. 
and flaunt it. And it's a great thing. And look at Lizzo. And if, if, if you're 350 pounds, Jason Whitlock, don't do nothing about it. That's everybody else's problem. You know, flaunt your obesity and poor health. That, that's, what, that's the tide I'm hoping Elon Musk can stem because like everything social media tells black people is negative, bad, leads to bad consequences. Uh, Jason, when it comes to Lizzo and all of the ads that I've seen lately, it bothers me so much because heart disease is the leading cause of death for black women over 20 years old. So we really shouldn't be pushing that. And what I've noticed is that if you're black or if you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, that is an excuse to live any type of way. As, as a black person, it's almost like you can't critique anything without somebody saying you shouldn't do it because you're black. I posted the picture of the, the big heavy lady on the big giant billboard on the side of the building that took up the whole building. And someone said to me, you shouldn't be saying that because that's a sister. So I shouldn't let people know that obesity kills because she's black. That makes no sense to me. So you're absolutely right. We give terrible advice and black Twitter just allows that advice to spread. It is. It makes no sense that someone can't be corrected because they're black or because they're gay. That's foolishness. And that's exactly what we're pushing now, that skin color is outweighs everything. No matter how wrong you are, if you're black or if you're gay, we have to overlook it because you're just victims and we should feel sorry for you. And, you know, woe is me all the time. And, and that I can't agree with that. Thank you, Shamika. I'm going to keep it Thank moving. You. All right. Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit the subscribe, hit the notifications. If you're listening over Apple or wherever you're listening on podcasts, give me that five star review. Leave a message, a comment, justifying your five-star review. Uh, join the Fearless Army. Make sure you're telling your friends. Where else can you get this kind of great content, these kind of conversations? Uh, we're going to bring in the white shadow, TJ Moe, uh, the show me kid from Missouri. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to go to TJ Moe uh, here in a second, but I just want to read you something I just got sent over Twitter since we're having this conversation. Uh, this guy tweeting, I, I tweeted out something about how um, this Patrick Lyola didn't do anything to help himself uh, in his involvement with the cop and, and basically did everything he possibly could to force a violent confrontation uh, with the police officer. And uh, someone just tweeted at me, he didn't help himself out at all, that's for sure. Actions have consequences, I get it. I still have an issue with someone getting shot over a license plate. It's just not that serious. And so, he didn't get shot over a license plate. He, he did not. 
the, the officer was not shouting at him, put down that license plate. Take your hand off that license plate. The man got shot because he was trying to wrestle away or he did wrestle away the officer's taser. He got shot because he spent two to three minutes wrestling, resisting, not complying with a police officer who had tased him, who had climbed on top of his back and kept begging the guy to quit grabbing my taser, put the taser away. He did not get shot over a license plate. We need to stop that. He got pulled over because of the license plate. I've been pulled over, over a license plate. Many people have been pulled over, over a license plate. I'm, I'm unaware of anybody getting shot over a license plate. Now, if you resist arrest, grab the man's taser, wrestle and fight with him, run away from him, again, be mad about that. If you wanna say, I have a problem, I, ha I have an issue with someone getting shot over wrestling over a taser, say that. Because that's the actual truth. Uh, TJ Moe, I'm walking in you into a blazing fire. I know you're man enough for the situation. Uh, do, do you think Elon Musk can save Twitter from black Twitter? And should that even be a priority? I loved your conversation with Royce. I want to attack it from a different angle, but I, I have all of the same reservations that both you and Royce do so far as it not be, if it is not a Christian man being one of many taking something over so that there's still a balance of power, you should have concerns because the ultimate freedom comes from your faith. I do agree with that. However, uh, we got to play the hand we're dealt. And that is Elon Musk here. I agree with the idea. I would not name it black Twitter. I would just name it woke Twitter with a black face. That's all it is. Because black Twitter just gets a little more cachet because they're spouting woke ideas with black skin. That's all it is. And so woke Twitter is completely propped up by people who have white guilt. And I think, I think that is the biggest disservice that white people do to black people in America. They have this white guilt. And, and look, most of the CEOs are white, right? Susan Wyshynski over at YouTube, Jack Dorsey, obviously not there anymore, but he built Twitter. Mark Zuckerberg, a white Jew, uh, both Facebook and Instagram. They operate out of this idea they're super woke and you usually get woke as a super rich white person uh, out of white guilt. And so, you know, it's like I was thinking through your idea, black Twitter needs to be disbanded. That's true. I think black Twitter will disband itself if Elon Musk takes over because it'll no longer be propped up by the people with white guilt and they will, there will be other voices allowed to come in and actually challenge their ideas. Right now, anybody who would be a strong voice in opposition gets silenced, shadow banned, or just outright banned. And so you, you, you're in a place where I think if you just have a moderately neutral platform, you're okay. Well, I looked on Twitter this morning at 6 a.m. and there's people threatening to leave Twitter if Elon Musk takes over. That's how far the left has gone with this thing. They're so conditioned to having platforms tilted in their direction that if any opposition is even allowed on the same platform, they're leaving. And so this, again, uh, 
black Twitter, which I just think is woke Twitter, is completely upheld by people who are feeling white guilt. White guilt. Look, if, if there's one thing I could say about white guilt, it is this. The the woke Twitter and the woke ideologues, they think that white people are today holding black people down in America. I agree with that, but I agree with it for a different reason. I think white guilt, which has put them into a position where they let black people say whatever they want, they give them whatever special treatment they want, and they think that the only way for them to excel in America is to have white charity and white approval and whatever help they need from the white people and reparations that they're trying to get in California, they've convinced them that they're victims. And so the product of white guilt coming from the woke left is actually one of the biggest oppositions in black America today. It's interesting that you and Shamika are using the word guilt and are, you know, Shamika saying survivors guilt for black people, elite blacks feel guilty about their success. And, and you're, and you're saying that it's the guilt of successful white people. And so mm -hmm. I, I think, I, I saw something last week where uh, people were talking about Katanji Brown Jackson. And, and, and Tucker Carlson made the argument like, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson has the exact same mindset as a suburban white woman. And so she's not really diverse. She's married to a white man. She went to private schools. Her parents were successful. She comes from elite privilege. And so I, I think you and uh, Shamika are basically arguing the same thing. There's mm -hmm. a guilt from elitists and from people that come from privilege uh, and, and, and they have virtually no experience, in my view, uh, with black people and black culture. And so they're prescribing uh, solutions for black people that, that make no sense. And I think, to be honest, I think a lot of elite blacks and a lot of elite white people think so poorly of black people. They think mm -hmm. the existence of black people must be so miserable that we must do something for these people. I feel so sorry for them. They're black. Oh my God, I feel sorry for them. We must do something. Blackness is, is a plague. <laughs> and that's literally what I reject. I mean, I've mm -hmm. lived 54 years as a black person. I've never felt that my skin color was a plague. I knew people that had a problem with my skin color, but I didn't. And no one in my family did. None of my friends did. Uh, and so I, I just never felt like my skin color was some burden. And I know that it created some obstacles for me in America, but uh, scalable obstacles if my attitude, work ethic, values, beliefs, trust in God were all in order, th those hurdles are, I wouldn't say easy to jump over, but they're, they're very scalable. And all of my friends whose values are, in are rightly aligned, who have a work ethic, I'm looking at them all excel in America. I'm looking at them. They don't even have to be perfectly aligned. You know, my father, we're all flawed. And mm -hmm. I just think about my father and the era he grew up in 
where the obstacles were much higher for black people. If he could make a way for himself and find happiness and a level of success in America and have his own his own home and have a business, what am I complaining about? I guess I'm complaining about a baseball coach that called me an MFer, and <laughs> it, it just reeks of racism. And TJ, you know, you played a lot of sports. I, MF, j- there is no racial connotation, and that word flies all directions towards all people in sports environments, at least the ones I know. Maybe you're from a different generation. Oh, it flies. Uh, it flies at, at every level. It flies in middle school, and they still apologize for it, but that's about the last time. It flies in high school, it flies in college, and it certainly flies in the NFL. I think I told you this before. Bill Belichick uses the F word as a filler word. How you and I say, uh, he just says the F word and keeps talking. So that's just that's just how people talk, right? Um, I sent you that yesterday. Mike Schilt is the old Cardinals manager, and so I'm pretty familiar with him and, and how he has gone about things. He He's actually semi-woke. Okay, so this is why... Again, this you go down this road a little bit. They're eating their own. This is actually why we'll have this conversation at some point. I'm not actually worried about the wokes winning this culture war because they will inevitably eat each other. It'll be full cannibalization. The feminists cannot get along with the people who are obsessed with race, who cannot get along with the people who are obsessed with transgenders. It, they're not going to get along. It's all going to be a, a giant cannibalization at some point, and we'll be standing here with our values to fill the gap. The, the one thing I will say, I love Shamika's point, um, and I think it fits exactly with mine. Survivor's guilt which, as you put it, the elite, and white guilt, the elite. I can assure you there is no white guy in America who is sane today, who's, who's barely paying his bills, who's worried about how his white privilege has really provided for him today. And so it's the elites who have teamed up and decided this is the way things need to go. White guilt, and, and survivor's guilt, we'll say, has completely prevented people from being honest. It's like, it's like, have you ever known a guy who cheated on his, his wife or girlfriend? He becomes whipped overnight. The second that happens, he's got that guilt. He can't tell the truth anymore. He's just got to let her just, just so I can survive, just so I can make it. She's got to be in charge. She's got to, I'll just do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, just like me, just, just keep me around, approve of me. The truth is that, again, if you're, if you're talking to black America in particular, because this is, this is why you brought up black Twitter, Black fathers need to stay home and raise their kids. That's the truth. The matriarchy does not lead to success. That is the truth. The rules are not stacked against you. You can achieve the American dream. That's all the truth. You're not a victim. And it doesn't feel nice to say those things. And that's where all these these people who feel guilt all the time, they want to be nice. But the kindest thing you could possibly do for someone is to tell them the truth. It's also the most Christian thing you can do. God is truth, right? This entire world was formed out of the words of God. Let there be light. So your words matter. Truth matters a lot. And so if you can't tell people the truth, how can they possibly... I want people to come into my life and tell me where things are going wrong. How am I doing in my marriage? You evaluate it. Am I treating my wife? I, I think I'm treating my wife nicely. What do you see? And I need to evaluate outside ideas to help 
form my own ideas and make sure they're correct and accurate because you will have your own biases. Every person does. But when you refuse to tell people the truth about what you see and the objective truth, people who are totally outside of the situation, they can never make the proper adjustments to succeed. It's impossible to do. And this is what we've created on Twitter. A bunch of people who agree with each other, an echo chamber of people with the wrong ideas that all get propped up by people who feel guilt and everybody fails. Great job, TJ. Thank you so much. Got to keep it moving. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Uh, we're going to bring in the Idaho potato, Dave Shannon. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Idaho and bring in Chocolate Knox, uh, the thunder from up under, uh, the thunder from, I don't, where is Idaho? That's up from, certainly from the South. <laughs> let's roll out to uh, the only brother in Idaho. I'm joking. Uh, Dave, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, we've been talking about Elon Musk and his bid to take over Twitter. Uh, we've had some interesting comments and conversations from Royce to Mika to TJ Moe. Uh, I think you'll probably agree with Royce's concern that Elon Musk's secular values make him an unlikely saver, uh, savior for American freedom. And, and I'm a little suspicious. I'm, I'm, I'm a tiny optimistic, but I'm a little suspicious if Elon Musk is going to save Twitter. Your thoughts? Well, first, I want to agree with, it seems like the show has kind of been Jason versus Jason. There was an old Jason that said, there's nobody who can say Twitter, Twitter's going to fall. And then there's other Jason now is like, oh, maybe Elon Musk can come in and save Twitter. Uh, so I think it's Jason versus Jason, and I was appreciating Royce because it felt like he got the new Jason to kind of move over to the old Jason. And I'm going to agree with the old Jason. Um there is no savior from the top that's going to be able to save us from the mess that we're in. Twitter, black Twitter, any of it. It's it's not going to happen. We have this um, complex, this kind of princess complex where we're waiting for somebody to come, one person, and to save us from this tragedy that we're in. And the problem with that, Jason, is that we've already had a savior. That savior came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and changed the whole world. So now the world is a place that we get to cultivate. So there isn't a savior that's going to come on a Twitter and save it. We are the ones that are supposed to be saving Twitter. The problem with Twitter isn't the people that's on there or Twitter itself. It's the culture that is um, cultivated there. So Twitter is kind of like the check engine light on your dashboard. It lets you know that something is much, much wronger underneath the hood. And what we're trying to do is saying, hey, if we can actually disconnect that light off the dashboard, maybe we'll fix the engine. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You're going to have to pop the hood open, grab your tools out, and get to work. The process that we are in currently right now with what, engine, with what Twitter is showing us, we are in a 50 to 60, maybe even a 100-year process of changing the problems and the issues that Twitters are showing us. 
And we're not going to be able to vote our way out of it. We're not going to be able to buy our way out of it, Jason. The only option that we have is to be able to work our way out of it through the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And that work is hard work. And T.J. Moe was hitting at some of that work. That work is going to have to start at the very, very foundations of the family. Twitter is showing what a bastardized nation looks like. Twitter is showing what happens when we've disconnected parents and fatherhood and motherhood and the cultivation of the family that produces morals and righteousness inside of individuals. And so if you were to if Elon Musk came in and took over Twitter, it really wouldn't matter so much because the KKK didn't need Twitter to gather and do all their atrocities. And whatever black Twitter is, the culture that it is, doesn't need the social media platform to commit all its atrocities. We are going to have to put our hands in this soil and work it. And there's no easy way out of it, Jason. Okay, I I like your analogy of like, hey, we got to get under the hood, get the tools out and do the work. Perhaps because you just never know who God uses. uh, Perhaps Elon Musk will allow us to get under the hood, because what what I'm saying is uh, black Twitter right now, the way that it operates tells black, black ignore that check engine light. Don't even look underneath there. There's nothing wrong with this car. I know that your family structure is tore up from the floor up. I I know that uh, you've been bought into this hedonistic, materialistic, just take some drugs and party and, and, uh, you know, get buy into this hip hop culture. All all of it's good. There's no problem. Black men are locked up and incarcerated at an incredible number. Uh, They're violent towards each other at an incredible number. Their their conflict resolution constantly turns violent. Ignore all that. We're normal. There's no problem. Don't look under the hood. That's what black Twitter screams every day. And so I'm just asking if if Elon Musk does something that dismantles, limits black Twitter's ability to scream at the top of its lungs every day, don't look under the hood, maybe we will be allowed to look under the hood and start fixing some things. It is very possible to jump out of the frying pan and right into the fire. And so while we think <laughs> that we might have a victor, you know, let's keep going with this this engine in the hood thing, because I think it's really good. Let's say that Elon Musk get, buys this car and he sees, oh, my goodness, the check engine light is on. I'm going to go and pop the hood and I'm going to start fixing stuff. And this is where Royce was absolutely right. Do you want the guy who doesn't really understand that God is the ultimate and that he himself is not God, because that's what atheism is, is saying that I'm God and that I get to decide how all these pieces fit together. So do you want that guy popping the hood and saying, hmm, I got an idea of how all this can work? And what you thought was a tragedy before becomes something much worse now. I mean, if you if if you don't have a a solid foundation and understanding of how God made the world or that he is God and you are a creature in in his creation, then you are going to start doing the exact same thing, probably even worse than what you currently have right now on Twitter. We've seen this in so many different ways. Whenever we substitute uh, the responsibility and duties for the people who really should have them. 
we make the situation a lot worse than what it should actually be. And and this is this, and Jason, I'm going to take a turn here. This is kind of the same thing with what we saw in New York with the shooting. Um, when you create a nation of sheep instead of a nation of sheepdogs, you're always looking for someone to come save you from the wolf. That is a problem. America was not founded as a nation of sheep. We were founded as a nation of sheep dogs. We were the ones to save ourselves from wolves. We're the ones that bound and put our steel with other steel because we were the ones who were the sheep dogs. When you look at the situation in New York, everybody's looking for a police officer or somebody to come save them from the shooter. Jason, I want to live in a culture where the shooter is scared to come outside because he knows that the sheepdogs are all around him and he ain't even got a chance. He don't have a chance to victimize anybody because he knows there's a bunch of dogs around here and he going to have to deal with us. When you have created a nation that is waiting for or, or has become sheep, then you have created environments for guys to do what they did in New York on a much rampant basis. And so waiting for a hero, waiting for a victor outside of Christ, because Christ does something very amazing. He doesn't just make you uh, a saved person, a saved individual, a righteous person. He makes you a sheepdog, somebody who's capable of managing, taking care of themselves and family and loving people in such a way that you provide a world and a lifestyle that they can live in. You are the one that's the sheepdog waiting for you to arrive, not waiting for somebody else to arrive. The culture I live in and I want to live in, the police come to take information and notes on what happened. Officer, the guy drew a gun. I saw he was going to kill somebody, so I took his life. Great job, citizen. You saved so many people around here. But when you're a sheep, you run. You've made an excellent point. I don't think you've undermined my optimism that, because again, my argument is, Twitter right now is telling everybody to be a sheep, everybody to fall, fall in line with this groupthink. Twitter is what has sparked Black Lives Matter, has sparked defund the police, has sparked yep. uh, criminals or victims, and, and all you sheepdogs, stand down, stay in your house, uh, the sheep are gonna run wild, and, and we are uh, gonna bend over backwards for the criminals, and, and so, again, you look at New York and Frank James and all that, again, I'm like, where's the security at uh, at the subway stations? There used to be a lot of security. They have backed off. They've underfunded the police and security. The cameras aren't working or whatever. There's been this pullback of sheepdogs. And I think a lot of it is related to the groupthink and the, the, the secular values promoted over Twitter and I get Elon Musk doesn't fully understand this, but is he perhaps more capable of understanding it than the people that were in control of Twitter? I wanna see that play out. I, I, I wanna see if, if we're not capable, and I say we, I'm talking about believers aren't capable of having a conversation with Elon Musk to get him to understand this freedom of speech that you're talking about, American freedom that attracted you to this country, it's all a byproduct of Judeo-Christian values. And if we don't install that or empower that in the culture, there's nothing you can do to Twitter. 
that will protect free speech or freedom. All the freedom, as Roy said brilliantly at the top, is a byproduct of these inalienable rights that were recognized by Thomas Jefferson and the founders that come from God, and that's what seems to be under attack. We see Twitter and everybody else seems to be arguing, nope, your rights come from man, and uh, you know we're the men in charge, women in charge right now, and so we're in control of your rights. Uh, Dave, I'm gonna give you the final thought on this, and then I'm gonna let you go. You, I want to say this gotta one quick, thing. Got to be quick, but don't hurry. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. I want to say this one thing. Um, there, are, you said in your monologue that there are people who are concerned of speaking because they're afraid to get jumped by the mob. Jason, I just want to point out an example. Black Twitter has nothing on you. They can't pull you or move you or manipulate you in any kind of way. That has nothing to do with Black Twitter. It has everything to do with you, right? You are the you are the gravity that moves Black Twitter. Black, black Twitter is not the problem. The men that are willing to stand up in spite of black Twitter are the problem. And I just want to make that point very clear. Black Twitter, black, black Twitter is not going to manipulate or move you in any kind of direction that you don't want to go. And we need those kind of men more than we need the kind of man that Elon Musk would be if he bought black Twitter. Thank you, Dave. Great job. All right, stick around. Uncle Jimmy and our approval rating for Elon Musk. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, The mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to get to our approval rating, but before we do that, Jim, I want to take some time, 17 years in law enforcement. Uh, I want your take on the situation in Grand Rapids that's being spun into the next Black Lives Matter, you know, wrongful uh, shooting of uh, resisting uh, criminal suspect. Uh, I think his name's Patrick Lyolia. Uh, we're gonna play 
in the as Jim talks, we'll play. There's about a four minute, pretty good video of what happened. And Jim, your comments don't have to coincide, match up directly with the video. But I just want people to be able to see the video if they haven't while we're talking about it. And so uh, let's start playing the video. And then, Jim, I just want as a law enforcement person, uh, I don't know. It's it felt like to me the young man did everything he could to escalate uh, this situation. Right here, the first thing that you hear in this, you hear this officer telling him, "Hey, stay in the car. Stay in the car." One. Do you have a license? Do you have a license? He told him why he's stopping. Do you have I'm a license? Stopping you. Do you have a license? What done? Do you have a driver's license? Do you speak okay. English? Okay. He's telling him what's going on. Yeah. Do you have a license? Now he's Can telling. Your so what's actually happening here, as a law enforcement officer, you, you don't realize this dude's playing the immigrant car. role. He he he's playing like there's a problem with communication. That's why the officer said, "Do you speak English? Can you understand me?" The officer told him one, "Get back in the car." Didn't do it. Now he's telling. Well, he told him one. Let don't me stop. Let me stop you there because that's what I think people don't understand is the first problem. When you get pulled over by the police. Jumping out of your car is not what you should do. That immediately heightens the tension within the police officer. Am I not right? As a law enforcement officer, the fact that you jumped out of this car, that's step one. You're wrong. I told you two, get back in the car. You didn't listen no, to me. No, that's two. No. Now look right now. He's attempting to leave. He's attempting to flee. That's three. You see him push back on him? He got to go on the ground. He's got to go on the ground at this point. I got a runner. Okay. Now, I, at this point, I have a runner. Guess what? He has he has the ability to take this guy down with the taser. But you know what? He can't take him down with a taser. You know why? Because society says, ooh, if you tase him, he'll fall and hurt himself. Well, I think he did shoot the taser at the guy. I, I, I think he did use the taser. I think one of the points that you made because of the way this unfolded and how quickly it unfolded, the officer may not have had time to, to communicate. A lot of things happen. First of all, when you make this stop before, I mean, what, the reason he's telling him to stay in the car is because he's trying to say, I'm making a stop. He's giving a description of the vehicle. He's telling him where he's at. He got out of the car. This situation went out of hand before it could ever, the officer could ever get, get, get control of it. They tell you in law enforcement that you have 45 seconds to fight for your life. When you when you start with this moment, you have roughly 45 seconds. You have to consider you got on. You have on all of your duty belts. You have on a, a vest. You have all of this. And once you get past 45 seconds as a law enforcement officer, the time is going against you for you to this to end favorably for you. You're going to die. OK. Or get harmed. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't care about you getting harmed. I care about me. No, I'm talking about yeah. the police officer. Once yes. it's past 45 seconds, the clock is now, ticking down for you to die or to get harmed by the suspect. Yeah, die, period. I, I don't care about harm. You're going to die. OK, I don't care. In, in your good day, I'm, and I'm speaking about a law enforcement officer. For me, once we go hands on like that, all I'm thinking about is I'm, I, you're not going to kill me. You're not going to kill me. Enough of all this, Jason. Here, here's what else also happens. Because as you're watching this, people go, well, where's his backup? Where's his help? You know where his help is? His help is in the defund the police. His help is we don't want to put money in the police because therefore you have a one-man unit driving around as opposed to a two-man unit. 
You're sitting up here saying what you can't. This, this man, this video is still going on, Jason. This officer is fighting for his life. OK, one thing that Shamika said in this and I didn't think about Shamika said that the cell phone video, cell phone camera is one of the worst things that happened. After I watched this video, I wondered, I said, is he trying to make this officer do something to him? Is he trying? In other words, you had enough time for this officer following you to. Uh, this is one thing that hurts the officer. It's two people in that car so they can determine how many people's in that car. One, it's only one person, I can outrun him. If it's two officers, then guess what? It's 50-50, we ain't gonna have it. But if it's one officer, two people, what's the odds? The odds is against that officer. See, our laws protect the bad guy. They don't protect this officer, okay? And th this is what happens when you talk about protect the police, or, or excuse me, defund the police. And, and one of the things that, that's happening right here is he's not letting go of that taser. And I told you this morning, I talked to three different officers. And one officer told me that this is a new type. If he, bottom line, if he gets that taser from that officer, that officer's gonna lose. There were three people around that officer. Did one person step up to help this officer? Not one person stepped up to help that officer. I wouldn't have stepped up to help. It's too dangerous. I understand that. You could end up, the officer might confuse, who are you really trying to help? I agree with you, I agree. Yeah. But you know what, in George Floyd's case, do you know the people told George Floyd, hey man, stop fighting with him? Right. I didn't hear one person say. One thing that happened in this, Jason, and I told you about this, and if you go back and listen to it, you're gonna hear somebody say, he does it, because the officer's saying, let go of the taser, yeah. let go of the taser. You hear this guy say, he doesn't have a taser. And then he says, oh, I see it. The moment you see that, the moment you hear that, for me, it's over. Jason, real quick, can I, if I can say this, and I apologize if I didn't say this as well as I could, but do you know what happens if that officer lets him get that weapon from him? If, if that officer gets, if you as an officer let that guy, as bad as this fight has gone on for four minutes, if you let him get that weapon from you, you know what's gonna happen? This right here is what's gonna happen. Two Wyandotte County, Deputy sheriffs fatally shot. I had two officers transporting an inmate. Somehow or another, the inmate got the gun from both of those officers or got the gun from Patrick and killed both of my officers. Shot her in the head, bam, while she was on the ground. But, you, but we want to talk, ooh, defund the police, ooh, the put. You didn't hear nothing about that black man killing them two officers, did you? You didn't hear nothing about it. But now, if they would have killed him, you'd have heard all about it. Hey, man, I'm sorry, man. That just touches me real close, real personal. To me, as black people, it, it, it falls up under the OJ rule. It's the OJ rule. It's like, yeah, I know, but, you know, so what? He was black. We, you know, we, we, we had to get that one off. You know, it don't matter if it's right or wrong. It's so what? No, man, he was dead wrong. And if I hear one black person talk about, oh, say his name. I'm going to say his name, dumbass. I'm done. <laughs> I, I hate, because it's a tragedy. Cause, and really, to me, the tragedy uh, is primarily the officer and his family. Because he's got to live with that, and he will be thinking about that for the rest of his life. And uh, I, I do think that young man 
put that officer in position to, let's say he did overreact, which I don't think that he really did based off of particularly the training he receives and how long this went on and this man's behavior and actions. But let's say you did think he overreacted. I know he wouldn't have overreacted had he stayed in the car. He would have been given a ticket or he might have been pulled out of the car, cuffed, taken to jail, and it wouldn't have, he would still be alive. And so the young man put himself in that position. I don't understand why over social media, why we've gotten into this habit of we can't give black men good advice. It's as if our goal or the goal of social media is for black men and people to do as much dumb, self-destructive stuff as possible. That is the goal of social media. I'm not sure if Elon Musk can fix that, but I, I wish that he would attempt to. Uh, Can I say one thing yeah. about, about this about this video? And you, you, we're talking about our people, black. Jason, do you realize that whatever this brother's name is, do you realize that whoever this guy is is not doesn't sound like he's from these parts? No, he's from Con he's an immigrant, been here since 2004. Okay, then tell me something. He's not from here, right? So in his country, do they go around wearing their pants hanging down their butts? <laughs> In other words, I'm trying to tell you, I'm telling you both the, 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 the dialect and the actions from both these people are American black actions toward the police. That's how they think that you are supposed to react and deal with the police. Now, I get, I'm just Present saying yourself. I get your point. Yes. You know, and it's like, who taught you this? We did. I'm gone. Thank you, man. We did. From hip hop to social media to everything, we promote that, that the blackest thing you can do is run around with your pants hanging off and the crack of your butt showing. That's black. Well, we we I did feel that. some kind Resisting of weight. Resisting arrest, that, that, that's, that's black. We got to go. We got to get to this approval. He is not resisting for... arrest. Bro, bro, what do you want? <laughs> that's uh, Elon Musk. Let's go, man. Uh, I'm sorry. We got to do this quickly. Uh, Let's go. Job performance. Richest man in the world, can you do a better job than that? 25 is his yeah. money. 20. <laughs> he do what he want to do, man. 25, I, I can't, I don't know if you can do any better than that. Uh, character, again, I'm optimistic today. Uh, I've gone up on his character from the last time we did it. I got him at a 20. Jason, I got to give him a 10 for character. And I'm going to say this real quick. Remember the movie Malcolm X? Remember the movie Malcolm X when the, the guy went to jail? Malcolm, the what? Remember when, when, when the guy went to jail and they went, Brother Malcolm, they took and they went to the police station yeah. and the crowd was upset. Remember Malcolm did like this? Did like that. And the people just stopped, turned and walked off. Remember what that police officer said? That's too much power for one man to have. That's how I feel like Elon Musk. Mm. That's too much power for one man to have. Come on, bro, let's Authenticity, go. I've gone up. He put his money where his mouth is. Uh, anytime you put your money where your mouth is, I, I've escalated his authenticity. I gave him a 20 in authenticity. Hey, man, uh, I'm gonna give him a 10. I raised him from a zero. <laughs> I think right now, man, I think we're getting ready to start seeing this man's true colors, okay? Hey, man, look here. I, I, I'm beginning to question this man's motives, okay? He's buying Twitter. It's about free speech, right? Hey, man, 
This is the case of one man holding the personal information of damn near the whole world, man. Okay, remember, this is supposed no to be... No different than Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. No different. And this, he's scaring me, man. It's getting scary. Come on, I'm sorry. Keep going. It factor. Uh, I'm going to give him a 22 in it factor. That's a little bit down uh, from last time. but I give him a 25, and I hate to admit it. It factor. Hey, man, they say money can't buy you happiness or buy you love. He can damn sure buy you a world, though, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> you can rent it. All right, so uh, I got him elevated to a smoke show at 87. Jim, you're, you're consistent. You still got him at a grease fire. Uh, that's it, and that's all for us today. That's, that's tomorrow. We're done. Striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Blessed, we are living, get back We are receiving all the seeds When we all want to be free We want freedom I just want, I want to be I 